0: To get the latest news, as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. Well, I am so excited to bring you this conversation with Christophe Bernard, who is not only a brilliant herbalist with a huge following in France through his school and his YouTube channel, but also is a good friend of mine. I met Christophe about 10 years ago in France, and I was instantly taken with his views on plants and herbalism, and we've been friends ever since. Christophe is a French herbalist. He currently lives in Southern France, Provence, where he spends his time picking, growing, and recommending herbs as a health practitioner. He has written three books and teaches at one of the oldest herbal schools in France. He also offers a set of online classes on how to make and use herbal preparations. His blog, Althea Provence has become a reference for plant lovers around the French speaking world. Well, welcome Christophe. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Rosalie.
0: (laughs) Well, it's such a pleasure to have you here. And I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we are friends and so I know a bit about your history and I know that you did not start your professional adult life in the garden. So I'd love to hear about your journey and what that was like for you.
1: Well, it's a long story, but I'm going to tell it as it happened. We're talking early 2000, right? And I know it's going to to sound a little weird maybe, but that's my story. Uh, I was living in the U.S. in sunny San Diego with my wife and kids, and we were having a good time, really. I'm an engineer by trade. And then uh, I did an MBA and then I was flying all around the world for big corporate America, you know, being a good student of the system. And then at, at some point I just realized this, this was not aligned at all with, with my vision of life anymore. So I had that question in the back of my head, what can I do next? And, and really I really I had no idea. And one day, out of nowhere, and I remember I was coming out of a nap on a Saturday afternoon outside on my lawn, you know, looking at the clouds. I think I had a beer with me, and uh, I I just I saw myself preparing little bags of herbs, you know, with a little string, you know, the things you infuse in in a cup, and I was making herbal teas, and that was the weirdest thing. And, and I wondered, could that be it? So I started to buy a few books uh, on medicinal plants. And then I taught myself plant identification and I started to pick in the wild and, you know, started to make a lot of products and tinctures and powders and infused oils and... And before you know it, I've taken over the whole kitchen and the garage and the pantry, and we've got you know, bags and mason jars everywhere, and um, it's a whole mess. And <laughs> then at some point, I started to give consultations on the side, and really at this stage, I, I mean, I I knew this was going to be my my new career so that that took a few years i i still had a traditional job but i was doing all of this on on the on the side but at this stage i, I decided to make it my new career but then something was was missing and what I was missing were my my roots the south of of france you know provence that region you you know well by now the whole aromatic plants growing in the wild and the whole the, the whole culture that I had known as as a kid you know where we went picking wild thyme and and linden and dandelion greens and mushrooms and wild rosemary and and all of a sudden it, it came back to me you know I, I had kind of forgotten about it pushed it back in the corner of my head it, it just it all came back so we had we had to come back uh, and that's what the family did at the end of 2009 and uh, you came to visit us a couple of years after that i i remember mm-hmm. i think it was probably like 2011 2012. Mm-hmm. and uh, at this point I, f- I fully dedicated myself to medicinal plants picking gardening a lot of gardening for a few years i actually thought i would produce and sell my own medicinal plants it didn't turn out this way but i did a lot of gardening picking writing in different magazines teaching i still teach today that's that's one of the fun parts of what i do uh, consulting as a clinical herbalist and uh, developing a blog and a youtube channel that uh well that has grown way above and beyond my uh, my expectations i must say so this is where i am i am today um it's it's Great, it's exhilarating. sometimes it's it's exhausting, but I love it all. I'm all aspects, you know, I want to be in the garden, I want to be in the in the in the wild. but I also want to be in the classroom and I, I want to be with someone in front of me doing a consultation because if I stop one of those things, and, and I have stopped some of those things over the last few years because I was so exhausted. For instance, for uh, about a year and a half, I stopped consulting. And then at some point it just something didn't didn't line up. You know, I was teaching and then I was not consulting. And I I thought, no, 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 I cannot teach if I'm not consulting. This is what keeps us real and on our toes. So I went back to this. So I actually today I'm unable to drop any of those activities. But what I have done is scale back, spend more time with the with the family, because for a few years, to be frank with you, they They suffered a little, you know, I didn't see much of them. I was living in my, in my fears of not making enough money, of not knowing if I would ever make it, if I would ever sell anything, but it was such a passion that I I just couldn't drop it. And uh, I'm I'm glad I persisted because finally, right, 12 plus years later and um, things are working out and I'm, I'm pretty happy about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You are such an inspiration to me. And, you know, we are very similar in that we both like went all in and we are both prone to like overdoing it and burnout yeah. and recovery. So yeah. it's been nice to have that, you know, friendship with you to just be like, oh, okay. Like that happens, you know, pull back in recenter. Um, that's been very helpful for me. And then also it's been really inspiring for me is your, uh, your work with looking at your roots and French history and the French use of verbs, especially in Provence, um, uh, which is of course, if people don't already know a major interest of mine as well. And, um, and yes, your YouTube channel really inspired my YouTube channel. So that is also, I feel like I'm just no. so glad to have you here because you've been such a, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's not, know. Uh, I don't know that there would be this YouTube channel without Althea Provence. Whoa, thank you. I love your videos. Uh, They're so much fun. And, you know, for people who speak even intermediate French, I think they can understand your videos pretty well. I think Mm -hmm. I speak fairly advanced French, but I understand them quite well. And I think it's worth learning French to watch your videos. Oh, thank you.
1: Thank you for all those. uh, uh,
0: And there's mm -hmm. so many, you know, years later, there's so many of them and such great information there
1: yeah yeah and, and and as you know the way, the way it started was was pretty laughable almost. Some of my some of my videos, I just kept them just as a symbol of where I'm coming from and the fact that you know I was pretty pathetic as I started <laughs> and, um, and mumbling and not smiling and being super stressed. I, I think I have I have one video that I kept. It, it's public on my channel where uh, I was sweating so much under the armpits. I mean, it was when I edited the video, you know, I, I thought, do I make another one? And then I thought, <laughs> no, it's been such a nightmare to shoot that 10 minutes video. And there's no way I'm going to redo it. So I ended up putting text boxes. On my armpits whenever i lifted my arms to hide <laughs> the sweat stains that was that was pathetic but I, I kept it as a symbol of the fact that you know we're just we are we're not perfect we mess up and uh here we are in our beautiful imperfections
0: yeah yeah that's so true and we i want to say we are our own worst critic because i've been watching your t- youtube from the beginning and i've loved it from the beginning but you have also shared this with me and you shared it in your youtube videos about your humble beginnings and it's been like a mantra for me like just starting you know the, the push to get my own started i was like doesn't have to be perfect it's gonna get better the only way to get better is with time so
1: yeah i think we have a mission today uh i think it's such a weird time in our history i think part of a, of our mission is to make the knowledge as just available to uh, as many people as as possible here in france you know uh, you don't know this because you those listening to us you're, you're in the us and in the us there was a a beautiful rebirth of of herbal practice in the early 70s with all the all of your herbal grandpas and grandmas right including rosemary and all those all those you know great great people and michael tierra and you know, michael moore and all those all those folks but here in france there was a a, a desert in the 70s and 80s that, you know a couple of people a couple of schools and we we started much much later and we had this huge gap so one thing I try to do as I came back is try to retrieve all that all that lost tradition so now we're I think we're a bit stressed that it might disappear again so I think you know we need to write we need to teach we need to talk about it so that now it's it's being captured in, uh, in the uh, wild west of the web I guess you know with it's pros and cons but it, it, <laughs> it is a tool to communicate so one thing i discovered when i came back to france was the the love of uh, infusion and herbal teas so what i learned in the us was the practice around a lot of tinctures and powders and different forms and then when i came back to france i, I just f- found out that people love their Herbal teas there, but we call infusions here. Uh, so I started to formulate on a liter of of tea. You know what what the way we formulate for tinctures. Well, I started to formulate with the, with the herbal teas, and and that worked quite nicely. And actually, the the French herbalist will usually use a lot more. Teas than they use tinctures or, or other forms. Uh, and that has been a fun part to, to rediscover.
0: Yeah, that's how I like it too. There's just something mm-hmm. so much more satisfying about the relationship you form, you know, with herbs that are in a tea and just the enjoyment of it versus like the <coughs> sque- squirts yeah. of a tincture, which you know, tinctures yeah. have their time and place, but I definitely love the tea. Yeah, I
1: love it because you receive the bag from the from the herb store and you open the bag and and first of all, you look at the color, and you may have a smell, and and you're like, oh wow, this is a German chamomile. Smells like wow, it reminds me of a honey. Oh, beautiful! It's white and yellow. Beautiful colors. Then you put it in a in a mason jar, maybe, and you pour your your water, and all of a sudden you look how the the water is changing color, and. Uh, then you remove the lid and you smell and you're like whoa that that's like aromatherapy you know coming out of the, of the jar mm-hmm. and then you drink it so i think it, it it gets you more implicated it gets you more involved in the in the preparation and therefore in the healing process and there's something i really really like about it yeah
0: yeah well years ago we did an herbal intensive together in Provence. It was, I mean, to this day, one of the most fun weeks of my life. And um, yeah, so many good memories for that. One thing, you know, just being in Provence and seeing your chosen herb, rosemary growing from the cracks and sidewalks and, you know, growing out of these 2000 year old stone fences or barriers is just such an amazing thing. And I do have this particular memory of We were um, on a hike, walking from one village to the next, (laughs) the the old ancient trail, and we'd stopped to talk about rosemary. And I remember, like in that moment, I fell in love with rosemary, you know, harder than I ever have before in my life, because your love of rosemary was just so apparent. And I think somebody had asked one of those like impossible questions of, you know, like what what herb would you have for the rest of your life or something, and you were just like, without a doubt, I mean, there was no like no hesitation without a doubt yeah. rosemary so i'm so glad yeah. you chose rosemary to yeah. talk about
1: today yeah I, I had to to choose it i mean it's such a, an amazing plant i mean in in our region it's a true survivor to me it represents resistance and resilience survival when you see it growing this little crack of a rock i mean there's no soil there's nothing and it, it's not raining during the summer here and and yet that rosemary is growing and it's it's aromatics what it, it gives back is it, just so strong and uh and amazing and i really studied that plant because yeah it seemed to be doing a lot of things as an anti-inflammatory as a as a liver plant actually in france it's it's a big liver plant it's, it's not known as a liver plant in the us but in france you know it's it's much appreciated for that so when you need a choleretic and colagogue and you know to to stimulate uh, detox processes. And we, we use rosemary quite often. In terms of protection antioxidant, I'm, I've been saying this for a while now, and I really believe it, it's, it's, it's our green tea. I mean, we always talk about green tea as the uh, major antioxidant, but based on what we know, I think rosemary is a couple of levels above and beyond that. So it's a great, great overall protective plan so this is what i picked today yeah
0: (laughs) wonderful and yeah that that modulating inflammation is something that's just so big in my mind constantly because of how much of our chronic illness today is really result you know it's like that is the root cause of it Yeah, and rosemary is sometimes called the queen of antioxidants and it's amazing how many applications there is for rosemary. With that in mind, in terms of, um, like, say, cognitive health.
1: Oh yeah, amazing! Uh, amazing plant for cognitive health, indeed. And if you look at some of the studies that were done, actually, one of the conclusion of the scientists was it might be the most promising herb for uh, Alzheimer's prevention and even for the the, the mild phases of the disease, you know, mild to moderate phases of disease as a, as a cognitive enhancer. So yeah, that's like one of the diseases of our, of our generation. And as you said, chronic inflammation is just popping its head in all major chronic degenerative disease from cancer to metabolic syndrome, to uh, autoimmune disease. There's always an low grade chronic inflammation component. And so, yeah, we need to, use those uh, anti-inflammatory herbs the right way in our recommendations and um, I like rosemary for that. Yeah, it it can be too exciting for sensitive people. The French know this herb so well and and a lot of people will tell you, oh, I cannot take that in the afternoon. It's a little too stimulating or if I take it in the evening, I will not sleep. Literally, I will not sleep at all. It's got this hot, very um, young, profile you know very pita fiery a little bit like us rosalie i'm afraid but
0: (laughs) yeah true true yeah i think you know most of us grow up using rosemary in you know like with potatoes or you know just like as a culinary herb something that i have begun to appreciate is like i grew up working with rosemary and culinary foods but I was, you know, back in the day I was buying like McCormick spices and that rosemary was probably like years old and I'd like use a little bit. There's like such a world of difference between having fresh rosemary um, or freshly dried even, you know, it works great dried as well, but having that just incredible freshness and the potency and the aromatic. So that's something I would encourage everyone to do. If you have rosemary already in your spice cabinet, Go, you know, take a little bit, pinch it, smell it, see what it's like. And if it's like not very aromatic, then get some new rosemary. It's so worth it.
1: Throw it away. Yeah, compost it. It will not work as well. Uh, yeah, and it's it's true for all aromatics, when you pick them in the wild here in the south of France, and then you, you buy it dried from certain stores that don't really pay attention to to that part. Sometimes it's just so disappointing. Uh, so just night and day compared to the, the wild species or even the, the, the one you grow in the garden. I mean, you can grow... Pretty darn good aromatics in the garden. Yeah, sure, it's never going to be as as potent as the wild plants. But you know what? In my experience, it's it's pretty close. It's close enough to bring good results. Mm-hmm. Of course, here in France, you know, the birth of aromatherapy and essential oils, we have a, a whole discipline around. Yeah, but what rosemary, what chemotype? Is it the camphor one or the cineol one or the... Uh, this and the, that but you know that gets a little too um, complicated almost especially since we're not dealing with essential oils here we're dealing with the with the whole plant but in my region in the south of france it's definitely a camph- camphor strong type uh, you can you can smell the camphor really easily so yeah different rosemaries in different regions and different growing conditions
0: one thing that you brought into my life was rosemary tea, because, you know, growing up using culinary rosemary, it's not, was not obvious to me to, to work with it as a tea. And mm-hmm. that was something, you know, your love of rosemary tea was rubbed off on me. And then, um, in my first book, Alchemy of Herbs, you, I published your recipe for the perfect cup of rosemary tea. Oh, um, <laughs> are you remembering that now? You're like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, which I loved that that you know it was like a quick infusion you know so it's not with those aromatics it's like you just want those like lovely aromatics and not necessarily the the bitterness um, with the yeah longer the bitters infusion.
1: the the tannins yeah that you get after yeah if you let it steep a little too long that's true the same with time actually time time can be such a wonderful tea if you let it steep for three four minutes maybe. And then at some point, if you forget about it, especially if you cut a little bit too much of the of the wood, you know how the thyme plant is, has a tendency to get woody after after a few years. If you use some of the wood, then at some point it gets so harsh on the throat that it's almost too difficult to drink. Too, too, too much tannins, uh, yeah. too astringent, which is yeah not the goal. Usually uh, you use... Um, those aromatics mostly for their aromatics yeah the tannins are can be interesting too but you know not not too much not too much yeah good combination too i love i love i love rosemary and uh peppermint i i, mm. I love this combination i think it goes super well and again peppermint in france is considered as a liver plant choleretic and cholagogue. so the two go well together, and I think rosemary and a Chinese green tea, not the Japanese, the taste doesn't go well, I find, but the the Chinese green tea, the two combined is actually pretty yummy as well. So yeah, you may want to (laughs) try.
0: Yeah, that's a nice antioxidant combination as well. Well, another way that rosemary is another one of the many gifts of rosemary is that it protects food and the extracts of rosemary often added to meats and bakery goods. (laughs) And I'm really excited about your recipe because that's a really sounds delicious. And what a great way to get those protective qualities.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That, that is true. Actually another, another part of our tradition that I find really interesting is how our ancestors used aromatic plants to protect the, the food from spoiling and how it would kill the bugs and bacterias and, uh, of course give taste but also protect us and help us to digest the the food right i mean he, here in france we put a lot of sage with a pork roast for instance or savory with beans i mean there's a reason a historical reason for this it's just not just for the taste but um yeah one aspect we've talked about in our circles is the when it comes to food is the fact that when we when we roast food you know the 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 browning process how that is not good for health right it's the whole protein glycation so sugars get associated with proteins through a process called glycation and those glycated products are are not good for us they're they're toxic they need to be detoxed and they create a lot of oxidative stress so to protect our body's against that, then we can use those antioxidants. So I was you know, always, um, always been wondering, well, rosemary, how do I integrate it with, with my food? Of course, I can cut it in small pieces and I can sprinkle it on my veggies or the meat and this and that. And then one day, a chef actually gave me that, that trick. He said, you know what? I found a great way to incorporate the taste of rosemary through uh, infusion, through uh, rosemary tea. So he said, there's two ways you can use your tea. So first, you have to make a strong tea, right? So it's gonna depend on the strength of your rosemary. It's gonna depend on whether it's fresh or dried. You make it, and you you taste it, and you it needs to taste like really strong. You know, it's still drinkable, but you have you have to say to yourself, "Whoa, I guess I could still drink it, but it's like almost." too strong for me and uh, if you cannot achieve that then you double steep you know you can do that maybe if your rosemary is not as pungent so you, you make another you use the hot liquid the hot the hot infusion from the first batch and you you infuse again some uh, rosemary inside and then once it is ready one simple thing you can do is use it to deglaze a pan so say you've been preparing a, a stir fry with you know a few maybe a few carrots and turnips from the garden and maybe a, a few uh, burdock roots and uh, with olive oil and garlic and it's all smelling super nice and the bottom of the bottom of the pan is looking a little brownish with uh, things stuck to it. Well, then you throw a bit of your uh, rosemary infusion and you deglaze all that brown stuff. Of course that is not very good for us but it's yummy very yummy <laughs> it's very yummy and uh, rosemary will you know go help it to get detached and of course it will ensure that we get enough antioxidant maybe to buffer a little all that oxidative stress created by the those this this browning and it does give a pretty good taste it's almost it gives it more taste than if you sprinkle the rosemary and the herbs you know, I've been, I've been quite amazed by that. And this is why the, the chef I talked to liked it so much. It really brings in the, the taste much better than the, the actual whole herbs. And then the second trick he gave me was to put it in a, you know, in a spray bottle. And when you barbecue, to, to spray it on a regular basis. You know, so I don't know whatever barbecue you have. If you have the one that opens, then you know every uh, minute or so you open and you, you spray your rosemary uh, in tea on 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 the the food, and then you you close again. It will prevent browning. It will keep the food moist, and it will give it the taste of rosemary. So that's something I like to do as well. It's pretty cool. Um, and, of course, you can uh, experiment with uh, with other aromatic herbs. Uh, it's It gets pretty fun, actually. You can, mm. of course, use the thyme and the, the sage and the savory, but also try lavender. Lavender mixed with the other aromatics can be quite interesting. Monarda fistulosa, oh, mm. very strong, you know, time-like flavor that is uh, very interesting for for barbecues sometimes can be almost a little too strong I mean of all the plants rosemary is probably the the powerhouse here you know my my top choice but I could I could blend different herbs and uh, make it a little more fun play play with the the, the flavors it's really interesting the uh, only I guess issue is that you cannot keep that that infusion very long right so maybe 48 hours in the fridge but usually you have to make a fresh batch every time you you want to cook otherwise it's gonna it's it's not it's gonna spoil very quickly
0: Mm -hmm. well it sounds delicious i can't wait to play with that i think that's gonna be lots of fun and i'm definitely gonna start with rosemary and then like you said try out different aromatics yeah i'm excited for that thank you For the listeners, as you probably know by now, I love to share recipes when we talk about these plants. Recipes are a wonderful way for you to get involved and create your own experience with herbs. It's one thing to hear cool facts about rosemary, but another thing to form your own relationship with this plant through observing, tending, and of course, tasting. And what better way to do that than with Kristoff's recipe for rosemary deglazing barbecue spray. I think this sounds really delicious and what an interesting way to work with rosemary you can download your recipe card at rosaliepodcast.com. there you'll also find the show notes including direct links to Christoph's offerings and a transcript of this interview so you always have lots going on i'm excited to hear what what are you up to these days what projects do you have going on
1: at the moment as i'm working on a Pretty big project. So a bit of the background story here is the the fact that compared to the US or England, herbalism has been a little slow to mature here in 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 France. You know, we talked about the rebirth in the US in the seventies, and and then this phenomenal explosion in the nineties and the 2000s up until now. And I think here in France we've had a, a long period of kind of slow development. We I think we woke up much later on the practice, but at the moment we're, of course, all very excited, and uh, the interest in the overall population is very, very high. I think it hasn't. I mean, it's, it's been a real explosion, especially uh, you know after this, or still during this COVID period. I think a lot of people have been wondering how can I take care of myself, how can how can I work on on prevention and on the on immunity and. Uh, one thing we haven't fully developed in all the um, in all the schools is the practice. You know, the practice. What in the U.S. we call clinical herbalism, working with people, advising people, but not just like in five minutes uh, in the corner of the of the counter in the store. Really, over a period of several months, you know, through different cycles, help them to find relief for their chronic condition and hopefully helping them to get better and we've been a little shy of exposing ourselves on that front due to well risks you know and the 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 a system that was not waiting for us with open arms and uh, but you know at this stage sorry but no more shyness now we have a role to play and we are going to play that role you know that's just we're we're tired of being shy and concerned and afraid no more no more we're done you know we're we're going to Move forward in a careful way, of course, as a complement to, to this traditional treatment, very respectful of the of the of the system. Just, just like herbalists are doing everywhere else in the world, you know, as one of the person I know is, is always saying, Well, show me the dead, you know. Show me the where where are the dead people? Under the carpet? No, come on. They're, you know, we're all pretty careful. So I am developing a new program to help students bridge that gap to move from the theory to the practice. You know, to to move from everything they've been learning in in the programs we have today in France. They usually over they their last about three years of study, and then I'm going to launch another module, another yeah, a new program that helps them to. Evaluate the the person in front of them, you know, in their strength and their weaknesses, using a a simple a simple way to determine strength and weaknesses based on physiology, right? Um, Occidental models physiology something something quite simple, but then understanding how they can work on the what we call here the 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 terrain. I don't know if there's an English word for that, but the the foundations of health. Yeah, the foundations of health. To help them get better, the 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 vitalist approach, you know, help help them help themselves, help their system become stronger. So it's the culmination of a lot of years of practice, and it's a pretty complex program to make. And I'm completely absorbed in the project at the moment, mm-hmm. but I'm quite excited about it and. Uh, looking forward to welcoming the first applicants probably early 2022 so around january february i'm hoping to launch the the program uh, it's been a, a big chunk of work at the moment yeah
0: i bet that's gonna be phenomenal yeah. and it is in yeah. french right
1: yeah yeah it will mm-hmm. be in french because you know over the years i've uh, worked with a lot of people around the world i think there's a lot of opportunities in different countries but I just came to realize that, at the moment, it's the French system that that needs us, us French practitioner practitioners, the 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 country almost the herbalists in the in the country need us, and and we need to focus on our country, our system of education, and and making it better because we're playing catch up a little, you know, we're going to catch up, but at the moment we're, we're lagging behind compared to a few countries. So we, we need to work on that. Yeah. So it'll be fully in French. Well,
0: it's going to be a marvelous contribution. I know it's going to be really just popular and insightful mm. and I love your teaching so much. So I know it's going to be fabulous. <laughs>
1: I, yeah. Thanks. I'll, I'll wait for the first students to tell me what they think. I'm, I'm always a little stressed. You know, when I launch a new program, like, are they going to like it? or Are they not? They usually like it. So that's the <laughs> good part of it. But yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Well, Christoph, I'd love to end with the final question, which is the question I'm asking everybody in season two, which is what has most surprised you about herbalism along your path?
1: Gosh. I think it's working with people with chronic health conditions, you know, those people with a long list of ailments. and on top of this, you super you superimpose this amazing richness of of plants. And it's complicated, and it just it gives a lot of humility, I think. I've learned that what is being taught in books and schools is just a baseline. it's it's a basic model that, barely scratches the surface it needs to be taught you know it's 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 but it's just a starting point and the practice gosh it's complex it makes you sweat it makes you doubt yourself it makes you fully live that imposter syndrome i think we all have to go through that it requires a lot of fine tuning you know what they don't teach you in school at least in france is that this process is very iterative And it takes time. And you, the practitioner, you will learn as much as the person in front of you about plants and about how they work for that person. What surprised me is that sometimes you get unexpected reactions. You know, some some individuals are hypersensitive to so many things. Sometimes you introduce a plant and it seemed pretty mild to you but it's going to kick the liver a little too hard and then all of a sudden they have maybe a, a rash coming up or inflammation in certain places and so you have to back off you have to adjust it's it's very humbling but overall seeing a person getting better and better you know sometimes through this two steps forward and sometimes through the one step back but overall, making progress, I think it's, it's very humbling. It puts us back in our place. You know, our place is not humans master of the universe and, and humans master of the herbs, you know, the all powerful human who th- think that they know everything. You know, we're just students of the plants and the plants, I think they've taught me to keep my cup empty. Hmm. And you know what, I, I think the more I practice and sometimes I get this feeling that the less I know, which used to stress me out, but I've come to think it's actually pretty healthy to just let go of expectations. Start with this baseline of knowledge we have. We all have our tools. You know, you I know you use a lot of energetics, and me it's a little more uh, physiology with a bit of energetics sprinkled, and some people might do. Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or so we we have this this baggage we carry. But after that, I mean, you need to keep your cup empty and and be ready to be surprised and let yourself be guided and adjust. And sometimes uh, just discover things that just go opposite to what you learn. And you might doubt it, you might say, No, I mean, really, you took You took that plan, you took lemon balm and you couldn't sleep for three nights in a row. Now, I maybe you know, I don't think that's it, but you know, it might be it because the people we work with, they're not dumb. You know, they, they tried, they couldn't sleep maybe, and they stopped for a few days and it got better and they tried again and they couldn't sleep again. So to me, that's better than a clinical trial. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I keep being surprised and that's good. That's pretty healthy
0: yeah there's so many pearls of wisdom in there Kristoff. i just like someone that jumped out at me was how you know what we learn in books versus what happens in practice is just totally different and yeah. i was also thinking about you know so many of us get started with herbs because we have an illness that we want you know to either you know we tried western medicine it didn't work or we want natural solutions and so so many like the first questions are like what herb is good for blank
1: yeah
0: and what i'm getting from you know what i'm thinking about as you're talking is just like there's so much richness and complexity behind that that if somebody's willing to go beyond that initial question of like what herb do i take for this and find that richness and complexity and understand it's not a straight line all the time you know we have ups and downs and two steps yeah. forward one step back as you said and there is so much complexity there
1: it's very complex and, and and i think one of the trap is to see the world through who we are you know me for instance one of my struggle through my whole life has been uh, debilitating migraines and so of course i studied a lot of migraines and i work a lot with a lot of migraine sufferers and uh, you know at the beginning you might you might just Think that what worked for you will work with everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. I found a way to deal with migraines. No, you found nothing. You know nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> get back to square one. And um, I had uh, joint pain, and I, I I moved on to paleo paleo type of nutrition, and it all went away. And so the whole world should do paleo. Well, maybe, maybe not. Mm. <laughs> For someone else, it'll be, you know, they'll move to raw food and they'll feel wonderful. And another person, they'll do raw food and they'll be a mess, yeah. you know? So that's the the thing, that the trap we all fall into as as, as beginners. And uh, then we learn to move out of it and be a little more open to, again, being surprised. Yeah.
0: Well, here's to being surprised and herbalism. I think that's probably uh-huh. the best mindset we can have.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll drink to that tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much, Kristoff, for being here for sharing your wisdom with us. It's such a pleasure and just an honor for me to have you on the podcast. Well, thank I
1: you. mean, it's uh, it's uh, a pleasure to be uh, to be here, and uh, I hope I've been a good boy and you invite me for season three.
0: Absolutely, I'd love to have you back.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Kristoff.
1: Yeah. Take care. Bye.
0: For the listeners, don't forget to head over to HerbsWithRosaliePodcast.com to get free access to Christophe's Rosemary deglazing Barbecue Spray. Also available are the complete show notes, including the transcript. You can also visit Christophe directly at AltheaProvence.com. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks. I'm so glad you're here as part of this herbal community. Have a beautiful day. Hey, thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. And if you're a new listener, thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget that you can find all the recipes, links, and show notes over at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe and get updates when new episodes release, and even submit your requests for future podcast episodes. The world needs more people who are connected to the earth and the healing gifts of plants. I'm so glad that you're here for this adventure. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Rising Appalachia for the use of their beautiful song, Resilience. Listen to more from Rising Appalachia at risingappalachia.com.